Hi, I'm Rob and you're listening to the Teacher Planning Podcast. I'm here to simply help guide you towards quality, variety and consistent development as a teacher. You may have been teaching for 20 years or you may have been teaching for 20 days, but in my opinion, you never stop learning. The day you stop learning is the day the education system is failing. One thing you need to remember when listening to this is that you need to be open-minded. What works for someone else might not work for you and what works for you might not work for someone else. We're all here to share ideas. So enough of me talking, here's the pod. I have the pleasure of being joined by top selling secondary education author, Danielle. Now, how about that for an introduction, Danielle? Oh, you're very kind. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, at the time of recording, Danielle does actually have like I said, a top selling book out at the moment on Amazon. However, we will leave this to the end, if that's all right with you. So anyone tuning into this just to hear about the book, sorry, bad luck, you're going to have to scrub straight to the end. Now let's talk about you for a little bit, Danielle. You've been teaching for eight years and sorry, let's get to the main part of this. Danielle, you're an MFL teacher, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I've been teaching for about eight years, uh, French and Spanish, but in that time I've also taught a bit of ICT, a bit of PSHE, um, and I've also mentored several trainees as well, which I've really enjoyed doing actually, because I think it's I think it's improved me as a teacher, and it's been a nice opportunity for me to sort of reflect on my own teaching. Yeah, so I mean, mentoring is, is fantastic CPD for people, isn't it? No matter how long you've been teaching. Yeah, definitely. And I, I find that you actually learn things from them as well, because they're kind of all new and new to the profession and they've got like fresh ideas. Yeah, this is the whole point of me doing this podcast. So people, people are learning fresh ideas and people aren't just kind of standing still in their career. You're constantly learning. Yeah, absolutely. OK, right. We've got a bit of a background to yourself, Danielle. Let's talk about this lesson today. What are you going to be talking us through? So this is a 60 minute lesson. Um, The last time I used this lesson was with a year seven Spanish group and it's in the lead up to a writing task lesson. I did use it with a bottom set, but it could certainly be adapted for higher sets and it could be used um, with other languages as well. The aim of the lesson is to bring together the vocab that they've learned over the previous lessons and to prepare them for doing an extended piece of writing. Okay, fantastic. So just to summarise that, we've got a lower group year seven. However, this can be adapted easily enough for more higher achieving students. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Right, I'm going to let you talk through a lesson now, Danielle. We, I think we've, um, we've had enough of an introduction. Let's get into it. Okay, so I, I like to have a nice quick start to the lesson and to have something that the students can be getting on with straight away as soon as they enter the classroom. For this lesson, I used a retrieval practice challenge grid as my starter activity. This is an idea that I took from Kate Jones, who is a history teacher. She's written several books, which are really great. And this, this exercise is easily adaptable for MFL lessons. It's basically a grid with questions or translations relating to what they've learned in previous lessons. And in the first column, there are questions or translations which are each each worth one point, and it's things that they learnt in the last lesson. In column two, each of the questions are worth two points, and they might be from a few weeks ago. Column three, 
is content from last term perhaps and they are worth three points so it's basically just checking that they can remember things that they've learned previously it's a nice competitive starter as well as students have to earn as many points as possible and whoever earns the most points can win a reward i find that it's best if you if you go over vocab that you've learned previously because if you just cover it once they're likely to forget it okay i mean that's that's brilliant i mean you're already starting off with some competition in here and again i've, I've done it myself I, i've spoken to other people on this podcast who do it. students love competition well a lot of students love competition so if you can get them engaged in this early like you are i think you're going to have them hooked straight away yeah absolutely now danielle you talked you've talked about using this this table and i'm trying to picture this table myself things that you talk about today so this table for an example would you be able to make these available for listeners if they wanted to see these resources at all yeah absolutely i think there might already be a copy of this on my blog but if not i will upload it okay fantastic and just for listeners who aren't sure i will put danielle's blog in the show notes so you can you can be guided to everything that danielle's talking about today lovely thank you okay right i'll let you carry on what i also do while the students are lining up is i hand out my question cards to a few students um, and these are basically just little cards that say congratulations you have the opportunity to earn an mfl point by asking mrs warren a question during the register obviously that's a question in french or spanish depending on which language it is at Key Stage 3, the students each have vocabulary booklets with all of the phrases that they need to learn throughout the year. And at the bottom of each page, there is a question in the target language. So if they can't think of a question off the top of their head, I do allow them to just refer to their booklets. Um, I do, however, encourage them to choose a question that they know how to answer themselves. Because what I'll do is, while I'm doing the register, when I get to their name, and they ask me the question, I'll sometimes ask them the question as well and we'll have a little conversation. Obviously the rest of the class aren't just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, so the rest of them will be continuing with the retrieval practice challenge grid and often you'll get them listening to the conversation as well so you can ask them to translate what's been said. I absolutely love this idea Danielle, so you, you're already giving the students an opportunity to earn what did you say that their achievement points are they did you say or yeah so we use mfl points in our department mfl points sorry yeah so if if they answer a question or if if they do some good work they get an mfl point and when they get three mfl points they get a house point which is our whole school reward brilliant idea now have you got anything in mind that means you're going to select one student rather than someone else no, not necessarily. Um, I try to hand them out to different people each time so that they've all got the opportunity to answer a question. If I think that someone's maybe maybe too shy, maybe a bit quiet, or maybe they're they're not in a not in the right frame of mind, maybe I won't pick them that day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's understandable. Okay. Well, that sounds a fun, like a really good, brilliant, engaging starter. Thank you. Okay, so where, where would you go from here? So I'll give them about 10 or so minutes to complete their starter activity while I'm getting on with the register. 
and then we'll discuss the answers as a class. Now, our school uses something called class charts. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've not personally, no. But it's absolutely superb. It allows you to um, set sanctions and give rewards and you have all of your classes on there. You can create seating plans and move students around really easily. But what it also does is it's, it has a random name generator. So if you want to choose a student at, student at random, you just click a button and then a name will appear on the screen. Um, okay, so, so I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening to this thinking, yep, definitely everyone should be downloading this. Yeah, it is, it is really good. Um, our whole school, is, it's something that we, we took on this year. But I think, I imagine it's quite expensive. <laughs> well, that, well, that's not your problem, it is. is it? No, no. <laughs> um, I do really recommend it. It's really good. But there's also a website called Mega Seating Plan, which I think, I think you can probably do random name generator on there as well. And I think that's free. I will say, though, because I, I do do that sometimes. I'll, I'll do the random name generator. But actually, I've, I've been reading a really good book lately by a teacher called Jamie Tom. And his book's called A Quiet Education, Challenging the Extrovert Ideal in Our Schools. And he suggests asking one of the quieter students an easier question near the start of the lesson to build up their confidence gradually, which I think is just brilliant because I was one of those quiet students um, when I was at school. And I, I used to just sit there dreading being asked mm -hmm. a question. Whereas I think if, if I'd been asked a question at the start of the lesson, it would have made it a lot easier. It would have built up my confidence a little bit. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, I'd be guilty of this, and I'm sure 90% of teachers listening to this would also be guilty of that, that you just don't do it. You get yourself into a certain headspace sometimes. You're not necessarily thinking about things like this, and you can't do it every single lesson, but it's, it's definitely something we can all work on. Yeah, definitely. So once we have gone through the answers as a class um, and, and I've got random, random students in the class to answer questions, they will be green penning their work as we go through as well. So, well, our whole school policy is when they are correcting their work, when they're going through the answers, they have to write correct answers in green pen. And then I will move on and discuss the lesson objectives with my class, which are differentiated as bronze, silver and gold. Uh, this is a part of our department policy and I think it's important to make sure that students are aware of what their target is and that they, they shouldn't just go for the easy option. So they, sh they should aim high and try to challenge themselves and sometimes they need a bit of encouragement to do that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so once I've introduced the learning objectives, I then provide my students with a sheet of paper that has a model piece of writing in the centre as well as some information around the side of the sheet that I'll explain a bit later on. Um, I usually prepare this model answer myself. And recently I've, I've actually found out about a tool on Microsoft Word. It's the dictation tool. So you just select the language that you want. So obviously French or Spanish or whatever it is that you, you, you're teaching. And then you, you just click the button and you can really quickly just say a couple of paragraphs in Spanish, for example and the computer will just type it all for you. So it's, it's a nice way to save a bit of time. I do try to recycle vocab that they've covered in previous topics so that it's not all new vocab because I don't want to put them off. So once they've got their sheets, um, we will then do a bit of speaking and listening practice to ensure that they're comfortable with the pronunciation. I try to make this fun and do lots of little listening games. 
for example, one game I do is I will read the text out loud and students have to listen carefully and read the text simultaneously. I'll then stop at certain points throughout the text and the students have to tell me what the next word is. So it's a great way for me to check that they are actually listening and that they're managing to follow the text as well. Again, that's a really good idea. It's simple, but I can imagine it being very effective. Yeah, it's great. And there's so many little listening games like that that you can do with, you just need one, one text and you can do so much with it. So there's no need to create loads of different worksheets for one lesson. What I also do as well to make it a bit more challenging, I can read through the text, but I can stop halfway through a word and then they have to tell me what the next syllable is instead of the next word. But once we've gone through the text and, and I feel that students are comfortable with the pronunciation, I then ask them to practice reading it out. So I'll say, for example, OK, Jacob, can you start off, please? And then Jacob will be reading through the text. And then to make sure that the rest of the, the class are listening, I might stop Jacob halfway through a sentence and I'll say, OK, Matthew, can you continue reading, please? And I'll keep going through until we get to the end. This then allows me to pick up on any pronuncia pronunciation errors that they might be making because I can then go back through these at the end of the exercise and I can do a bit of choral repetition. Okay, so you're going through the group and you're picking students at random to potentially finish your sentence or even finish the word. And yeah. I'd imagine that this makes sure that students are constantly listening because they don't want to be the ones who are being picked by yourself and not having a clue what to say. Yeah. Okay. So once we've done that, we'll then do a bit of choral repetition. And that's just where I say the words in the target language and they repeat it. Sometimes I do it in different voices as well. So I might say it quite quietly or I'll shout it or I'll say it really, really quickly or really slowly. And that, that works quite nicely. And I've also come up with the READ acronym. So R-E-A-D which I'm hoping will help students with their spellings as well as their pronunciation. So R stands for ring the vowel combination. So they draw a circle wherever they have two vowels together. E is for emphasize the accents. So wherever they have an accent, they need to draw a, another line over the top of it. A is for asterisk the silent letters. So for example, in Spanish, it would be the H. And D is for dot the double letters. I actually adapted this idea from an MFL teacher called Sophie Newnham who does something very similar and she shares lots of her fantastic ideas on Twitter. The idea is that it gets students to really focus on the spellings and pronunciation. So once, once we've done all of that I then do what, what I call my detectives exercise. So earlier I mentioned that around the side of the sheet there is some other information. What they have are boxes with different headings including, for example, connectives, adjectives, opinion phrases, time and frequency phrases, past tense, etc., as well as examples of these phrases in English. These are all phrases that are in the text and that I want them to look out for. And these might be key phrases that I want them to use when it comes to doing their own piece of writing. For example, one phrase might be, I used to play football. And they might know how to say the word football, but they won't necessarily know the full phrase. But if they can find the word football in the text, they should be able to work out what the rest of the translation is. And then they just need to write that answer next to the translation in the correct box. 
with a more able group i wouldn't give them the english translations i would just give them the headings and i would ask them to look for examples of each one in the text and then write those down in each of the boxes or sometimes they color code it so they might highlight adjectives in yellow for example obviously it's important to model this and and to make sure that they all know what an adjective is what a connective is etc before you before you go on to doing the exercise what point of the lesson would this take you up to? The end of this activity, probably about 25 or so minutes from the end. Okay, so we had our 10-minute starter. You introduce your learning objectives, and then we've got into this activity. Yes. Okay. They will need quite a bit of time to go through and find all the vocab, but then once I've done that, I'll give them a blank copy of the sheet. So, so it would be the same sheet, but it wouldn't have the text in the middle. And I then give them some time to plan their own piece of writing. So in the boxes around the side, this time I want them to write down what adjectives, what connectives, what examples of past tense phrases, for example, they want to use in their own piece of writing. So they add all of those to the boxes around the side, and then they have their plan ready for the next lesson when they do their piece of writing. So they're going to be planning this for how long? Maybe about 10 or 15 minutes. And what I also do as well is I say to them, you're welcome to use any of the phrases that I've given you today. I want you to use those phrases. That's why I've given you them. But also they're allowed to go back through their books and look at work that they've done in previous lessons and take phrases from there as well. Students like to do that, don't they, it's a, it's a, as a sort of comfort blanket. Yeah. This will take them about 10, 15 minutes to do. Yeah. So the whole point in this is that you're not actually doing the whole writing piece during this lesson, are you? You're actually, It's mainly about the planning. Yeah, I think it's important to give them time to plan and, and to guide them through it, because if they just go straight into it, then they're likely to forget things like the past tense, and then they kind of have to add it in at the end, and it doesn't quite... The, the writing doesn't flow as well if they do that. So where would this lead you on to in your lesson then? So once we've done that and we've gone through all of the answers and everything as well. So obviously before I give them the blank copy of the text, we will go through the answers as a class. So we'll, we'll discuss what, what examples of adjectives, etc. they've managed to find in the text. And then again, they can green pen their work. So then they'll have their own copy of the sheet um, and they'll plan their own answer. And then that will lead us into the plenary. Often I do it as a question. So for example, it could be, what do you do in your free time? And I link it to their differentiated lesson objectives that they were given at the start. So for example, it might be for bronze, um, say three sentences about your hobbies, including a justified opinion. So that's giving an opinion and giving a reason. Um, silver could be, say, four sentences about your hobbies, including another tense. And gold could be five sentences, uh, including two tenses. I probably wouldn't do that with year seven, actually. I would probably make it a little bit easier, especially with a bottom set. But yeah, basically, they, they have a question that they have to answer and they have to show that they can meet the lesson objectives. So they will discuss that in their pairs and try to come up with a good answer. 
meanwhile i'll be circulating and giving verbal feedback and then i'll get a few of them to share their answer with the class i sometimes do two stars on a wish as well where i get other students in the class to say something that they've done well and something that they could improve on and also in the past i mean i'm not sure if i'll be able to do this post lockdown <laughs> but um i use dice quite a lot and basically they they roll the dice and each number on the dice corresponds to certain things that they have to look out for so it could be if they roll a one have they included a justified opinion okay if not then you need to go back and say it again but this time include a justified opinion things like that so this plenary where you said you got them working in pairs do you have a particular way in which you decide the seating plan for this group are they sat with someone of the similar sort of ability to them or can they just answer these questions? So one might be answering to a gold standard or answering the gold question to someone who's got a bronze question. I think, I think both work, to be honest. I think probably seating them with someone of, of the same ability of them might be best. But also if you do mixed, then like the gold student might be able to help the bronze student. That does actually lead me on to my next question. Is that I was going to say, what specific strategies are you deliberately using to create a positive learning environment here? So I, I just give lots of praise and lots of rewards. And I think also it's important to, to create a classroom environment where it's okay to make a mistake and that it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they say a word wrong, that they're, they're only just learning it. Definitely. And I think I'll always remember when... I think it was when I very first started teaching and people were saying, I want students to fail. And students were constantly told about fail is the first attempt in learning. Yeah. And I mean, I could, I could do a whole podcast on, on this whole mindset. The, the way I said that question is I was saying, how do you keep a positive learning environment? And the reason I said keep a positive learning environment is because I'll, draw, I'll refer back to when I was talking about students getting the chance to earn their MFL points right from the very start of the lesson. So you had a really positive start and you even said about asking one of the less confident students an easier question to build their confidence. So like you said, I mean, you're creating a positive learning environment from the off. Yeah, and I, I do use, I use MFL points throughout and if, if a student gives a really, really good answer, then I'll just give them a house point straight away. So as I said before, a house point is worth three MFL points. But yeah, I think, I think just being really positive with them and also positive phone calls home as well. I don't think we should underestimate how much of, a, of an impact they can have. Like I've had a student in the past, I remember it was, it was a few years ago, and she was quite a tricky student, but she, she was doing so well. And like she had a really good few weeks and I phoned, phoned home. And she came back in the next day and said, like, oh, thank you so much for phoning my mum. She's going to buy me these highlighters that I've been wanting for ages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was really nice. I'm a massive one for phone calls home, positive phone calls. <laughs> Going back to this lesson, what is it yeah. you're doing to kind of keep the pace up of the lesson? I use lots of timers. So, for example, sometimes I'll have timers on my PowerPoint. Um, you can create them on PowerPoint using the animations tab. Or there are some on YouTube. I know in the past I've, I've used like the countdown theme tune to sort of count down towards the end of an exercise and get their attention back on me. Or sometimes I'll play songs in Spanish and then they've kind of got the duration of the song to complete the exercise 
See, uh, I, I, a... I really like that idea. I mean, I'm just yeah. picturing a, sh a classroom full of students working along to Gypsy Kings. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a group called, uh, well, a, a duo called Carla y Kevin, like Carla and Kevin, and they sing English songs, but in Spanish. So they'll do like covers of Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and people like that. So I, I play those quite a lot. <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic idea. And sorry, Danielle, I, I did quickly jump in there. You're about to talk about another idea as to how you're keeping a pace up. Yeah, so I think it's just um, important to make sure that you've got nice, smooth transitions between your activities as well and making sure as the teacher that you've got everything organised and that you're not faffing about looking for loads of different worksheets. You've got them all ready but also asking students to hand things out and collect things in for you as well. Again, I always, when I speak to people about these lessons, I'm always envisaging what's going on in the classroom and, and seeing what the students might be thinking about. And it does sound like constant activity. So you've got this game, you've got this time run, you've got students moving around the classroom, handing things out to other students. And it sounds like a really vibrant classroom. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good lesson. You, you have to be really sort of on the ball with the pace because if, if you let one activity go on for too long, then you might run out of time and not be able to complete everything. So, yeah, it's really important to use things like timers. OK, brilliant. So what I'm going to do now, Danielle, I'm going to give you the dreaded 30 second challenge. OK. OK, <laughs> no so, talk, so, so talk, talking about keeping the pace up and uh, I'm putting you under pressure this time instead of the students. Okay. So, so I'm going to ask you to summarise this lesson, so mainly the structure and content, and any other key parts of the lesson you feel could fit into this 30 seconds. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> that's, that's all I ask. <laughs> In three, two, one, off you go. Okay, this is a lesson that covers the four skills, speaking, listening, reading and writing. I've used it with year seven Spanish, but it could be adapted for any age group, ability or language. The snappy starter ensures that students are on task as soon as they enter the room and the focus on pace and use of timers means that students have little chance for their minds to wander. Together, we look at and analyse a model answer and they are then given an opportunity to thoroughly plan for their own extended piece of writing. I'll tell you what, that was, Danielle, that was as concise as can be. Now, I got on my stopwatch there, I got 31 seconds. However, <laughs> I, did, I did start, I think I did start it one second before you got going. So I think that was pretty much, I'll give you that, I think that was pretty much spot on with lots of information about the lesson. <laughs> So, uh, well done, Danielle. Thank you. <laughs> now, I, I said at the start of this, so we've talked about the lesson and everything. I said at the start of this that I'll give you the opportunity to plug and, and talk about your book. 100 Ideas for Secondary Teachers, Outstanding MFL Lessons. Now, give us a bit of a background to this. So, how did this come about? Well, I've been blogging for quite a few years now. I think probably about seven years I have my current blog which I think I've had for about six years and I did one previously to that as well I basically share lots of resources for MFL teachers and activities that you can do with your students as well and I was really lucky to be given the opportunity to write this book while I was on maternity leave as I'm sure you can imagine it was quite a challenge writing a book while I was at home with a baby but, but I managed it and I'm, I'm really glad I did because I've had some fantastic feedback like it's it's currently five 
five stars on Amazon and it's had quite a few reviews as well. So I'm, I'm really happy with how it's going. I've had feedback from trainees and NQTs, but also from teachers who have been teaching for a really long time. So I'm really happy with how it's going. That's, so, that's really impressive. Well done, Danielle. So, I mean, and I talk about this with this podcast that I'm doing. It's not just for trainees and it's not just for NQTs. Teachers should be wanting to learn all the time. And it's really impressive that you're getting these reviews from teachers who have been in the game for maybe five years, 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now I know this book's only just come out as we are speaking on this recording today. However, have you thought about a future book again? Um, well, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting well, way ahead of the game here, aren't I? Well, I, uh, in my dedication, it was dedicated to my son. So if I ever have... If I ever have another child, I'll have to write another one, otherwise it won't be fair. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure there'll be lots and lots of MFL teachers holding you to that one and <laughs> cr crying out for you to have another son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, no pressure. <laughs> so you said that this is on Amazon, is it? Yeah, so it's available for uh, in, on paper copy and also on Kindle as well. Okay, brilliant. Well, Look, Daniel, I'll, I'll do it with every single resource and everything that other teachers talk about. I'll put this up in the show notes so people can, can find the link easily enough. That's great. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for speaking today, Danielle. And there's some really good ideas in that lesson. And look, I would love to speak to you again in the future because it's really concise. I mean, you've got this book, 100 Ideas for Secondary Teachers. I think you used a few of them in this lesson today. And I'd love to hear about the other 95 of them in another recording at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank for you so me. much, Danielle. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's Teacher Planning Podcast. I really hope that this will help you in your practice and to ultimately help your students. If there are any subjects and topics that you would like to hear ideas on, please get in touch at teacherplan@outlook.com or reach out on Twitter or Instagram where you can find me at Teacher Planning Podcast. I would also love to hear feedback to give you the best listening experience possible. Keep educating, keep learning. <laughs>